shadows on the walls, mysterious lights in the sky, ominous voices under the stairs. These and many more are signs of a potential pending paranormal encounter. Welcome fellow travelers to the Gaius Sanctorum. We are your guides, Jameson and Scully. Join us and grab your foil line hats as we travel down the preternatural rabbit hole as we explore the paranormal encounters. However, be warned, they are watching. So yeah, this week we're going to be uh, talking about some uh, strange encounters. Um, I of think the elite kind. Oh uh, yes, the the elite kind. We, there's uh, some weird ones, but I think some that are ingrained in our uh, pop culture and uh, I guess for the most part things that we probably see every day that we don't think about. Um, it just kind of depends on which way you look at it, yeah. because exa- exactly. if you're, if you're a weirdo like us, I mean, we run across this shit all the time. Oh yeah. However, I mean, some if people may layman, not have yeah. heard of these. Yeah, that's very true. So our first encounter is back in 1996. Oh God, I was, don't go there. I was going to say, I'm not going there either. Not going there. I was young. I almost started singing as a, a Broadway as song. A sh- stretching my face. <laughs> Literally, you said that line, and I almost started singing a Broadway song. This is going to be a great episode, folks. Yeah. This is going to be great. All right. So our setting, Texas, 1996. Ages ago. It was so long. I think Blockbuster was still in business back then. And dial-up modems. <laughs> Funny that you mentioned that. Oh, God. So so this is the story of Brian Bethel. Right. Brian heads to shopping center at the edge of town to pay his internet bill via check. They have a drop box. Oh, God. Now I know this is where aging ourselves. Uh, the shopping center happens to be located next to a $1.50 movie theater. I do miss those. I'm not going to lie. Mm, oh, God. I, can you remember mm-hmm. when a movie cost $1.50? Yes, unfortunately, no, it's a small I do. fortune. <laughs> he pulls into a vacant spot mm. right outside the movie theater, mainly so he can see and write his check. So right. the marquee lights are blazing. Uh, he pulls out his checkbook and starts uh, writing. Right. Tap, tap, tap on the window. Mm-hmm. He looks up and sees two children, both male, between the ages of 10 and 14. However, he has a very unnerved feeling about him. I feel like there's a, a, most of our stories today are going to have that feeling. Maybe not all of them. Yes, all of them. All of them. Spoilers, darling. Spoilers, darling. All of them. So he rolls down the window just a bit of, just a crack. Mm. Um, and there's a taller boy and a shorter one. And the taller one smiles. Which he says that the smile just really gave him the chills. Right. The movie playing was Mortal Kombat. And he figured, okay, these kids, you know, they're wanting to see the movie. Maybe they don't have money to go. Right. So when he rolls down the window, just the crack, 
The taller boy says, Hello, sir. We would really like to see this movie. Unfortunately, I left my wallet at my mom's house. Can you drive us there? It's really, really close. It won't take very long. So we can get the money to go see the movie. Mm -hmm. As he's hearing this, he notices his hand starts moving towards the lock. And once he notices his hand is going there automatically, he pulls back. And the boy seems a little agitated. Brian also realizes by this time, the movie has been playing for 45 minutes to an hour or so. I mean, it's pretty much halfway over. The boy starts kind of pestering him, saying things like, Oh, come on, we're just two kids. Um, you know, it's not very far. But the one that really gets him is, Oh, come on, it's not like we have a gun. Then Brian happens oh, to look... Uh, uh, then Brian happens to look in the boy's eyes. And they are completely black, void of any light, as if he was staring to the abyss. By this point, the boys now realize that the jig is up and start getting a little bit more violent, saying, let us in, let us in, pulling on the door handle, you have to let us in. So Brian throws his car into reverse, drives off happens to look in the rearview mirror and they are gone of course they are this is one of the very very first written encounters of the black eyed children or bek or be kids right. or black eyed kids excuse me right. so this one again was posted in october of 96 um, to a google form if i remember correctly i may that's... be wrong with that you know, or something like for like this, that's pretty recent. It is very recent. And things like this generally stretch way back. Well, there are a lot of... This was, as I said, the first written account. And ever since this came out, more people had come out with saying things like, oh, I've run into these type of kids as well. Um just a whole slew starting to go back even into the 70s now there is a man g michael vasey wrote a book called the black eyed kids uh has a lot of great information a lot of great stories and even references things um back to um, a native american tribe right um, for more information on this, you can head over to orderofthemidnightroller.com. I wrote an article uh, entitled um, Children of the Damned, and you can check out, it has kind of a brief summary of a couple different encounters with the black-eyed kids. Now, have you ever encountered anything like that? <sighs> I've dealt with shadow people and shadow kids, but never the like black-eyed kids. Oh, I've only had one dealing with... Well, I, I don't even want to call it a shadow kid, because I think that was actually a child spirit, which is My creepy enough as it is. My was surrounded by them. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, and they were all kids. They weren't like people, people. Well, I mean, like, uh, not yeah. adults. So the way they kind of appear is usually kids between the ages of um, 6 and 16, although I have heard one instance 
where one of the children was as young as three. Mm, that um, would scare me even more. Well, that would definitely scare me. Well, there's me. a movie like that called uh, Let Me In. Yeah. There is there is a very similar movie, and that actually may even be based off of the Black Eyed Children. I think it is. So the way that they, they come up, they knock on a door usually... Um, it's a house or a car door. They're hitchhiking. It's usually in the middle of nowhere. And they say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, you know, I'm waiting for my parents. Can we come yeah, in? Exactly. Um, there's a lot of speculation of what the black eyed children are. A lot of what we're talking about today, a lot of people may have had experiences with, but still don't really know what it is or where it came from one of the big telltale signs though with the black eyed children in particular mm -hmm. is the clothing looks very dated so usually about two to three decades earlier That's and they speak in something else yeah well there's a couple tie-ins <laughs> yeah. and they also speak in a very broken dialect so a lot of times it will sound you know, like something that's, if, if a black eyed child was to come up, they might sound like they were from the 80s or the 90s and use kind of terminology that uh, way. slang from that mm -hmm. time, yeah. Like, so, yeah. again, there are a lot of telltale signs with it, but, yeah. you know, it, oops, very, very creepy. Uh, I have something uh, very similar uh, to the black eyed children. Now, the thing is, this particular topic is actually ingrained in our pop culture and society that we know of. Uh, what I'm about to talk about is not the ones with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Oh, come on. I like those. I do, too. Uh, but uh, this one is very real. Well, at least documented uh we'll put real, real in quotation, quotation marks this one takes place in 1976 okay uh i believe is it in it is in pennsylvania that this takes place and for a dr hubert uh he is was a um a psychiatrist that was um actually um consulting on alien abductions and um Hip, uh, hypnosis, which plays okay. into something that we actually just watched recently, mm -hmm. The Fourth Kind. Uh, one night, he get, gets a call at his home from the New Jersey Paranormal Society saying that they would like to interview him about the work that he's doing with alien abductions. Mm -hmm. So it is a very nice night out. He's, you know, nothing that he hasn't dealt with before. He goes, so that's perfectly fine. I'd be more than happy to share my findings with you. And he puts the phone down. The weird thing that he finds strange is no more than a second after he puts the phone down, there's a knock at his door. He opens the door to find a tall man of pale complexion. And when I say pale, not us, but like off-white, pale, like almost albino, pale, okay. pale, with what he thought was weird was it looked like he had almost red lipstick on and was totally bald, 100% bald, and was wearing a black suit with a white shirt that was pristinely pressed is what he remembers. Like not even getting into a car could wrinkle this man's suit. Hmm. And at that point, it was 
he was told that he was not from the New Jersey Paranormal Society, but from another group, asked to enter his home. And for some reason, the doctor had no qualms about letting this man into his home. He was perfectly okay with it. Now, the funny thing was, is that most of the time, according to the article, he would not do this. Ian had a dog that did not like people, but his his pet, perfectly fine with this individual. As weird as it was, the both sat down and started discussing his findings about the abductions that he was consulting on. He knew everything that the doctor was working on down to a precise detail. And what he had noticed was that they had been talking for quite a long time, hour, hour and a half, but it didn't seem like it was that long until the man got up from the couch or chair that they were sitting in. And he had said one thing that really made the doctor think twice. The man had said that he had to go because his batteries were depleted. And he felt very at ease the entire time the man was there. It only changed when he had left his home. And at that moment is when he ultimately felt fear and panic. Now, this is not the first encounter with the Men in Black, but it is one of the most well-documented Ones. There is one in 1947 with some loggers, and there is one recently that we had both just seen that's a little freaky, but this is the one that is in every single article that I have come across today, including the doctor who wrote an entire book on it. Well, I mean, the, black, the men in black are definitely mysterious. People don't really know what they are. No, and I mean, they all, they the things that I've read also is they never are violent. No. They threaten violence or threaten to do something to take your livelihood or something of that nature to keep you silent, but they will never cause harm, physical harm. Now, also what I've what I've come across is apparently there are not just men, but there are women as well. There was a, a known... Uh, like uh, paranormal and uh, UFO expert uh, who had said she was visited by two female men in black. Uh, one was taller, but the other one was about four foot to her, like five and a half feet. Uh, they were less pale than the men, uh, more of a regular skin tone, and had long banged hair, but their eyes were totally black. You mentioned this to me, which, again, goes into a tie-in with the black-eyed people. Yes. Um, One of the things in Michael um, Vasey's book, and Mm. I I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name, he talks about the black-eyed children, but also kind of makes reference to black-eyed people. And he does kind of show a similarity to the uh, men in black. And the thing is that people... Nobody knows if it, because there's the conspiracy, is it a governmental organization? Are they aliens themselves? Are they androids? Nobody really knows, but they are always right after an encounter with a UFO or if somebody is 
looking too deep into something. Looking too deep into something. One of the things that I thought was really interesting in my dealings with the men in black or my research is that a lot of times people report them um, wearing makeup. Yes. But it's almost like, and I know a lot of people probably won't understand this. Women definitely will. When someone chooses a shade of foundation that's like two shades too dark to make themselves look quote unquote tan. Tan, Right. It always gives that artificial look. It's from everything I've read today. It is almost like they don't know what people look like. Well, one of the biggest ones that I found was someone said that they encountered the quote unquote men in black. Right. And they, one of the guys ended up having an olive skin, mm-hmm. but they said that, that it looked really, really artificial. Very artificial. So they kind of, the way they worded it was, like, as I said, they chose a foundation purposely that was two shades too dark, and, and it, it just didn't look worked. right. And very similar to the Black Eyed Children, they uh, they don't know terminology. They're many decades behind. They they speak in a weird accent. They speak in a uh, like pop culture references that are from like the fifties. Mm-hmm. They're they're out of touch with with the modern age, and that has gone back to 1947, where they just didn't sound correct. So I mean. Honestly, I have not had any noted any experience myself. Not that I would know, because what if I have and they just blamed me? Look at the light, right? Flash. Exactly. I mean, Aww. there is there is truth in every you know piece of fantasy. So who knows? I mean, maybe I have, and then my memory was blanked. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have. I mean, you probably would have told me in our in our discussions about these sorts of things. There are certain things where I question what I encountered. Um, however, there's a lot of gaps I don't really know. That would make a lot of sense. I mean, look at the look at the what happened in two thousand what eighteen with the, the missing girl. She's still missing in Alaska. No one knows where she is. And that's the only one that I've ever read where the, somebody is either gone missing or they have done any kind of harm to a person. Mm, that we have recorded. Or that we have recorded. And, and the video is so bizarre. It's bizarre beyond bizarre. And that's the only time I've, I've only read things. I've never, that's the only video that I can find that has actual like evidence of one that's in the public. So. Well, speaking of bizarre beyond bizarre, the next encounter we have uh, comes from across the seas in Mosul. Oh. So back in June of 2003, mm-hmm. a soldier in the 101st Airborne Infantry Division was on duty uh, checking cars. So the, what they do at night is they shine this like obscenely bright flashlight in to like see LED. if anybody like ducks and you know to One make sure everyone collagen light light flashlights basically. yeah i mean this this light apparently has is like absolutely obnoxiously bright so one night, they said about 2.30 in the morning, they are doing their checks and a car ends up coming, you know, up. 
mm-hmm. and they flash the light, you know, in the windshield, mm-hmm. and the driver reacts normally. So he squints, turns away from the light, still trying to stay on the road, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that catches this person's eye is the passenger. The passenger stares directly in the light without any emotion, just blankly staring, except the eyes are reflecting the light. Oh, that's not good. As if it was a cat. And the person who is giving this account Mm -hmm. is saying that to this day, they don't know of any type of contact lens or any type of you know, effect that would cause the light to shine back from the eye. Right. And that this individual gave an extremely eerie look at them and chilled them to the bone. So the theory is that they encountered a jinn. I wouldn't put it past them. Now, this jin, is not the first time I've heard about it. Yeah, a jinn. Jinn are not widely talked about here right. in the Americas. It's kind of more of um, Arabian fantasy, if you will. Right. So we are familiar with genie, which is kind of the Anglo-Saxon version of it. Right. Where, you know, you rub the lamp and you get three wishes. Be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. You know, that so thing. D&D players, you know better. Which... You know, is all fine and good. However, there's actually a deeper mythology to the jinn. And according to, I believe it is, I can't remember if it's Islamic or pre-Islamic mm. uh, traditions, they were created alongside the angels. But they're a lot like humans. They're neither inherently good or inherently evil. So neutral. So they're very neutral. But they started being very mischievous. Mm-hmm. And with that, they were cast out of the heavens. And there are a couple different forms they take um, in certain cultures, mainly in the Africas. Okay. You have stories of the jinn possessing more demonic-like. Um, you And you also have different types of jinn. You have the ones who are fairly nice. You have the ones that are evil. You have a lot of different personalities. Yeah. And well, one, that, I mean, that goes with just yeah, well, that goes with everything. But yeah. I find it really interesting because a lot of these um, entities, which are considered quote unquote jinn, may have actually been deities or more closely uh, resemble like an earth spirit, so like a sprite or a gnome. Right. I there's I read something about those today. Oh, gnomes! Gnomes are that's that's a that, whole I mean, nother. That, I, that freaked me freaked me out. Yeah, gnomes are a whole nother um, realm. I was like, oh no. Yeah, not only that, the the gnomes, the fae, the yeah sprites, uh, sprites. And, yeah, oh god. Yeah, those are those are wicked amongst themselves. Pun intended for anyone who knows the the uh, lore or has read the Dresden Files. Mm. Um, but the Jin, I don't know. I just find them really fascinating because a lot of them are associated with wind, so they come up in uh, storms, storms yeah. and things like that. But the fact that someone actually encountered one or thinks they encountered one was just absolutely fascinating. Uh, there was another instance with a soldier um, in the Middle East who was in a 
a boiler room of sorts, mm-hmm. and they encountered a something because it would whisper in a language that they didn't recognize. They didn't think it was Arabic. They didn't know what it was, and they kept on hearing footsteps. Um, but oh. whenever they turned on the lights, there was nothing, nothing there. there. So there are that. a couple um, instances of Americans um, in particular right. running into the jinn. Um, obviously, there are numerous accounts of um, people who live in the Middle East dealing with them and the different types of jinn there are. So similar to uh, what Jameson had again is um, I have a... Uh, the thing when I was researching the, today is trying to find these certain encounters that we're looking at. I kept on coming up across cryptids and things of that nature, which we've already done. But this one is more humanoid. I There's no description. How do I do this? There is a description, but it still cannot be pinpoint if it is creature, man, or alien. Okay. So... It only goes by th- th- what I have read is the shower man. So in the mid 2000s, a homeowner is renovating his home. Uh, and he, at this point, he's in his living room and he's like tearing down a wall to put up another like uh, supporting beam or something like that. And here's a blood curdling scream coming from his bottom floor bathroom. So for some reason in the article, it says that he grabs his camera. Not the first thing I would grab when I hear a blood curdling scream coming from my bathroom. And I'm the only one home. I would grab a gun Gun or or a a bat bat or something. But no, apparently this man decides, well, I'm just going to grab my, my camera. I am assuming what they meant was he grabbed his phone, which had a camera on it. Well, when was this written? Uh, Mid-2000s. Okay. Yeah, so smartphones were a thing. Um, well, just becoming a thing, but we would, still had cameras. We still had cameras. I mean, we had cameras on even like the slidey flip yeah. phones, so we still had cameras. He runs to where the noise is coming from, and uh, you haven't seen this, but it's out there to watch. And the man goes into the bathroom, and it's a green esque like scene on the camera and you can see some kind of humanoid creature crouching in his bathtub with like blackish green glowing eyes glowing back at him just screaming the most blood curdling sound he has ever heard he quickly evacuates the bathroom and goes to call the police. They arrive for them to search the bathroom for the creature to be gone. Now, addendum to this to this sighting is a few months later, he, in the middle of the night, again, hears the same blood-curdling scream out by the sewer line of his home. Yet again, <clears throat> stupidly, decides he's going to go and investigate this said scream follows this, now this is in the video again, he decides to videotape this, follows it, and you can hear the man find the creature and plead that he is not going to harm it for only the creature to begin to scream louder and then eventually chase the man back to his home. You know, the story reminds me of a creepypasta called The Rake. 
I've never heard of it. Yeah, the rake is almost exactly the way you describe this creature. Mm-hmm. So it's it's long, it's gangly. It looks like um, a human being, like a human yeah. man. Emaciated human, really yes. long claws. Uh, so that's what it reminded me of. And what's really funny is because a lot of times, like, I'll make a comment to Chris. I love horror movies. Oh, we... <laughs> so I'll make the comment, I may be white, but I'm not that white. This man was. Because my friend Tanaya, shout out girl, um, always makes fun of white people who just like, oh my God, oh God there's something, something scary. scary. I, have I to need to check it. out. That This is this man who is like, there is a blood curling scream coming from the dark of my sewer line by my house in the woods. Let me go investigate. Now, like, if I heard that in the house, yeah, I'm going to investigate because I'm going to have a gun with me. Right. However, like, I'm outside... I'm not going to go chasing this thing. If I see it outside and it's at the sewer line... Mm-mm, no, girl, sorry, not happening. Not only that, he decided that he was going to say that he was there not to hurt the creature and was pleading with it that it wasn't that he wasn't going to hurt it. And then it turned on him. What else do you think this thing was going to do? You know, if I saw that thing in the house, I'd be putting up every ward, every... I would be putting up electric fence. I would have the house surrounded with salt. Oh, my God. First of all, how the hell did it get in the house in the first place is the question. Well, I mean, if it's a supernatural creature, it probably traveled through the sewer. Probably. If it was found by the sewer line outside his house... Yeah, I don't know. I that's ugh. and then in the in the video, the last thing you see is him drop the camera, and and then run off. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't have even gone out. No, that's what I was asking. Why the hell was this dude going out? Mm, no, Mm-mm. and that's the only two two uh, written and recorded uh, instances with this. But the hmm. thing that you said about the rake, yeah, that. Could be the thing. I don't know. Audience, why don't you tell us? Please Have tell you us. heard the story of the rake? Have you read the creepypastas? Does this sound close to it? Go ahead and comment at orderofthemidnightroller.com and omidnightroll at Twitter. Well, speaking of things that you should not investigate, uh-huh. have <sighs> you ever heard of the Vampire of Highgate Cemetery? Me? No. Now, this is one that we were just discussing a few nights ago. And this one is... Not that the rest of them aren't freaky, but this one is freaky beyond belief. To give a little backstory, Highgate Cemetery was consecrated on May 20th, 1839 to help with the overflow from the local parishes. Highgate fell into disrepair around the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. So... They tried to keep up with the cemetery. Um, it was quite large. Right. Um, there are over 170,000 um, souls entombed there. Holy moly. It is one of the Magnificent Seven, which um, were seven uh, privately owned. Well, not privately owned. They were seven private uh, cemeteries uh, that were placed around London. Mm. This was the third of the seven. Oh my God, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's just Highgate. That's not including all the others. That's crazy. In 1963, two young girls 
probably in their teens, reported seeing the quote-unquote dead rise near the north gate on Swain's Lane. Another team claimed that she was awakened by something cold and clingy touching her. And in the morning, there were marks on her arm where she felt the touch. This was in her own home? This was in her own home. Shortly after, a tall man with a hat was claimed to be lurking in the cemeteries at night. Now, after this, the newspaper ran articles claiming that animals were found dead, drained of their blood with lacerations on their necks. And it caught the attention of occult enthusiast David Ferrant. He decided to take camp, to, to camp out in the cemetery to check things out. Mm-hmm. And one night, some quote, like, side note, some people say it was actually, like, around Halloween, so I don't really have the exact dates of that one, so take that with a grain of salt. Fitting. It, it, it seems really fitting, but that also seems a little exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um, he claimed that, and he camped out, he saw a um, gray spirit lurking in the cemeteries. Soon after, uh, Ferent started communicating with local newspapers which caught the attention of another occult enthusiast, Sean Manchester, a, quote, bishop of the old Catholic jurisdiction, unquote, mm. who came forth claiming it was a vampire. Manchester claimed that it was a vampire king who was brought to the Britons by his followers. He claimed that it was a Romanian nobleman from the 15th century, who hailed from the land of Wallachia and studied the black arts in life. As the two feuded over what the spirit actually was, just throwing insults at each other through the news yeah, through the newspapers no less. Very British of them. It came to head on Friday, March thirteenth, nineteen seventy, where over a hundred people showed up to the cemetery to do a vampire hunt. Over 40 police officers could not quell the crowd. The crowd decided to hunt inside Highgate and started searching, opening up crypts, searching for the supposed vampire. This is an egg hunt? It it very much is a... Later, as reported, Manchester uh, found the vampire king nearly 13 years later in a house near Highgate Cemetery, where he staked the the, uh, creature and claimed that the vampire was vanquished. Now, this is the priest who did this? This is the quote-unquote priest. Now, How the hell did that guy even know any of that? Well, see, he was a supposed vampire hunter, um, along with being a... Bishop, and again, I put that in quotations. Quotations. Now, the newspapers of the time were very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Try to stoke the flame between Ferret, uh, Ferret and Manchester. Nice um, so they were like feuding to the bitter end. Um, David Ferrant passed away back in 2019. Um, as far as I know, Sean Manchester is still alive. Now, there are a couple problems I have with this um, Besides story. Besides a, like, all-out, like, Easter egg hunt for a vampire a la freaking family, Adam's family? Well, so, 
this is a great and classic example of mass hysteria. Oh, absolutely. So you have a lot of things, and Highgate Cemetery is very active with the paranormal. Mm -hmm. That is with very 100, well. Plus thousand people that is very that. well documented. Yeah. And when I first showed you the picture of the vampire of Highgate Cemetery, which is floating around YouTube and a couple places, yeah. um, I got really excited because, you know, I love the paranormal. Yeah, exactly. However, the more I delve into the story, the more I... Think it's a sham? I don't think the vampire itself was a sham. The more BS that comes up. Like the publicity and like them trying to like drum up business or something like that. Well, so let's first look at um, Sean Manchester. He is, and this took me a long time to figure out... So a lot of the articles only say a um, bishop of the old Catholic, or what was it? No. Yeah, the old Catholic jurisdiction, mm -hmm. which means nothing to me. I wanted to know his actual title. So in an interview with, I believe it was the BBC, the, the interview is floating around on YouTube, so you mm -hmm. can definitely check it out. Um, he was the Bishop of Glastonbury, Malta Cephalus, Old Catholic jurisdiction and primate for the Ecclesia Apostolic o Jesus Christi. Yeah, I actually had to put it on subtitles and actually like write down exactly what that was. So the oh. Ecclesia Apostolic uh, o Jesus Christi is the assembly of apost um, um, apostolic, excuse me. Uh, it's the um, Assembly of Apostolic of Jesus Christ. So that one I was able to figure out. Um, so Ecclesia meaning assembly. Right. Um, but the Malta Cephas, old, uh, old Catholic jurisdiction, I had the hardest time figuring out. So Malta is derived from the Greek word meaning honey, or refuge, and you know you've heard of the, right. the Maltic Islands. Maltic Islands. Maltic yeah. Islands. Um, now, Cephalus, in some translations, means head, but Cephalus was also the Athenian son of Hermes and Harris. So, he was a Greek hero. So I don't really know what this whole thing's about. He supposedly has retired and um, has, uh, you know, a quote-unquote special retreat. Uh, you <laughs> also sure have he does. You mean like a mental hospital? Well, that's. I mean, the only way I can describe these two. Um, now there are two books written by both of them. So there is one. Not a um, Not a surprise. There is one about the Highgate. It's all about the Highgate vampire. Mm -hmm. So Manchester brought out one, and then Ferrant brought out the one next the next year. So they are right. feuding until the very last um, of uh, Ferrant's life. So there was a newspaper article. Unfortunately, I forgot to write down the actual name. I will leave it in the um, uh, show notes on the website. The article entitled Wizard in a Duel Plan Cat Sacrifice. So, they often instigated the fact that they are both magicians. Now, Ferent was a uh, Wiccan enthusiast. He later became the head of, um, like, an occult order in Britain. 
um, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Sean Manchester claimed he was a bishop. But they both had magical abilities. So I'm sitting here going, yeah, put quotations. Um, first of all, the only way I could describe these two is the way our friends across the pond say it is complete nutters. Yeah, they sound like complete nutters. These two had planned, though it didn't go through, a wizard duel (laughs) on Parliament Hill. Fitting. But this article talks about the wizard duel would have been done in the nude and that a cat sacrifice was required to perform the magic. Now, anyone who knows anything about magic knows that you do not need to perform any type of sacrifice to do magic, especially dark magic. Here is the funny thing. They mentioned this on the Wikipedia page. And I'm like, I don't know who put that in. It can't be real. It was real. There is an actual article that I read talking about it. And actually, a lot of the occult practitioners were completely against it because they don't believe that harming anything that's living. So I don't know what was going on. I just had this horrible vision. Honestly, I feel like they were both in cahoots with each other. They they had to be playing some sort of game because the only thing I could see... They sound like a straight-up con man. ...is, you know, Dumbledore versus Grindelwald naked naked sword throwing, fighting naked yeah, sword that's fighting what I, exactly I mean exactly what i like like i i, I read this article and i'm like this is absolutely ridiculous how does this have to do with anything with the vampire nothing and if there is an actual vampire he is laughing laughing funny enough there have been reports still of seeing the highgate vampire that's our uh, episode this week what do you guys think? Have you had any kind of interactions with the kind of creatures or organizations? Hit us up over at our uh, Twitter at OMidnightRoll or uh, check out our website, orderofthemidnightroller.com for further content. Next week, we have our guest, Rod Serling, who gives us advice on vacationing in the Bermuda Triangle. Ta-ta! Ta-ta. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OMidnightRoll. Also, feel free to like, rate, and review us wherever podcasts are located. Until next time, good morning and memento mori.